Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. We have here Paul's love for these people. We know that's of the Lord. I'll send you pastors after my own heart. He doesn't find that. He, he makes that. And he talks about what a fellow laborer is, who Timotheus was to him, and then why he sent him is a great blessing. So let's see first what the word wherefore is there for. I'm not trying to be cute, but I've remembered that for many, many years because of that cuteness. <laughs> when you see the word therefore or wherefore, find out what it's there for. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, look at the reason why he could no longer forbear in uh, chapter 2, verse 17, beginning in verse 17 and going right through the last verse of that chapter. Wherefore, this is what it's there for. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, if you're not away from somebody in heart, you long to be with them in presence. That's part of having them in your heart and being with them in your heart. And that's what he says. Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face. Being there in heart is not nothing. And being face to face with somebody and not being with them in heart is useless. It is kind of nothing. But if somebody's in your heart, you want to see their face, don't you? And that's what he says with great desire, with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, myself. And he's saying that because now he's going to send Timothy, and that's, that's better than than not hearing from him at all. But he said, I would have come myself once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. It's the reason that this world stands. The reason God still has a world is he still has a people <laughs> that then some of them don't know him yet. Some of them don't know it yet, that they're his, that they will, they will. And you're our glory and you're our joy for that reason. It's, it's why we do what we do. It's what God sent us to do. Wherefore, wherefore, because I love you. Because I've waited a long time to see you. 
because I've been wanting to for a long time, because you're my glory and joy, because the desire was great, the time came when I could no longer forbear. In other words, I couldn't bear it anymore. I couldn't bear at, at least not not knowing at least your condition, how you're doing, your state of affairs. I couldn't bear it anymore. But it wasn't just knowing. It wasn't just knowing how they're doing, which is important. We want to know how people are doing, but it wasn't just that. Look why he sent Timothy to establish and to comfort them concerning their faith, concerning their looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Concerning that, concerning the growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. Lord, increase our faith. And concerning that, he wanted to establish them and comfort them. But I have to talk a little while about what Timothy was to Paul, because I can testify firsthand concerning what a blessing this is. And I'm so thankful. First of all, Paul said, he's my brother. I'm sending you my brother. They weren't related to one another. You may be a stranger to your earthly family. I don't wish it. I hope it's not always that way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.15, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And that same word judged is translated discerned in the verse right before. They don't get it. They don't, they don't, they don't know me. We're strangers in a very great sense. It's very sad. And what I'm trying to say is that I cherish my spiritual family. What a blessing from God to have what he promised in Mark 10, 29. He said, Verily I say unto you, there's no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold right now, right here on this earth. In case you forgot what he said you're going to get a hundredfold of, he says them again. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. <laughs> he's not putting rose-colored glasses on us, is he? But he's telling us the truth now. We're going to have family in this world. We're going to have real family and in the world to come, eternal life. How precious is our spiritual family, our church family, I call us sometimes. Y'all call it that, the church family. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Thank God. 
Remember what our Lord said in Matthew 12, 46. He talked to the people. Behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. And then somebody said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? He didn't have any objection to talking to his earthly mother and his earthly brethren, but not right now. Not to the not not to to um, the sacrifice of what he was doing. He's sitting there teaching the gospel to his disciples. He stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, "Behold." This is my mom, and these are my brothers. <laughs> you know, there's always people that just pop into the church now and then, and we, we understand that for what it is, but you are my actual family. By God's definition, not because you're my disciples, as he said, but you're his disciples and me too. <clears throat> By his grace. We don't fake that. We don't pretend in that regard. Just calling yourself a believer doesn't make you my brother in the sense that Paul was talking about in our text. <clears throat> He also called Timothy his son in other scripture, close, related, loved, precious. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. And then Paul said that Timothy is a minister of God. That just simply means a servant, a servant of God, one who executes the commands of another. <laughs> what a blessing. What a privilege. We who don't know right from wrong by nature, we don't know up from down. We can't execute anything but sin. And yet he's made us stewards of his grace. Sometimes by contrast we learn, don't we? Remember what Paul said about Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Demas forsook Paul because he loved the world. Timothy forsook the world because he loved Paul and his master. That's what he's saying here. He's a servant of God and a fellow laborer with me. You'll have to forsake one or the other. We're not just bragging on Timothy here, not bragging on anybody. This is the grace of God. Demas just did what we do. You know, 
Timothy was an object of the grace of Christ, and that's why he was able by his grace to be faithful. But you and I will have to forsake one or the other now. <laughs> I don't want to get on a soapbox, but look, As miserable as I am and what a failure I am in every way, I don't want to be standing here for however long the Lord puts me here and have our young people growing up thinking that they don't have to forsake one or the other. You're going to forsake one or the other now. Paul said, this world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And I want you to understand what that means. It doesn't mean you don't live in the world, you go up and live on a mountaintop and never see anybody, although that doesn't sound all that bad, doesn't it? If y'all come with me, we might do that. <laughs> we live and work in this world now, but we've forsaken this world by His grace. And it hates us too. And that's okay. That's okay. The Lord said it hated me before it hated you. And we have Him. We have each other by His grace. That's why it's such a precious thing to have family in the Lord. I'm telling you, though, young people, this world will chew you up and it'll spit you out and never give you another thought. Christ is faithful and long-suffering and merciful. He will never forsake you. Come to Him, embrace Him. Believe on Him. Trust Him. And you'll never be forsaken. Fulfill His commission. Do what He says. Timothy had forsaken the world and clung to Christ. We enjoy the things of this world that God blesses us with. Absolutely. But our purpose as believers, is to execute God's commands. That's what a servant, that's, that was part of the definition, if you remember. To execute the commands of another. Of course, it's of him to enjoy what he gives us. But we're to use it for his glory, I'll tell you that. We're to honor him in it. We're here to learn of Him, to glorify Him in this world, to be witnesses of Him, to be examples of devotion to Him, to raise our children in the fear and admonition of Him, to support the gospel, to be in on it. I use those words a lot, but get in on it. And that's what Timothy did. He was a fellow laborer, thirdly, a companion in work. That's such an interesting Thing, a companion in work. Did you know that's a rare thing? Um, something I've learned a little bit about in 59 years is that being able to work together with someone is not as easy as it sounds. It's a very rare thing. To have someone that you work well together with. 
two or more people, more than two is almost impossible, that are able to be greater than the sum of the parts. You understand that, but let's, let's think about what that is for a minute. To be greater than the sum means that one plus one equals three. Is there anybody that you can work with like that? That you can cooperate with to that level? You can't just do twice the work together as you would apart. But together you can do more than if you worked separately. That's rare. But Christ gives that to his people sometimes. And he's worthy of that. He's worthy of that. He deserves that from us. And may he give us that spirit of cooperation, of unity. It's rare in this world. both in temporal things and in spiritual. But the Lord can give that. And let's see that as a precious thing. That word fellow laborer is key in this text. And Timothy, who was all of that to Paul, he went to Thessalonica for Paul to establish the church there, to establish them concerning the faith. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews 13. This is not a long passage of Scripture, just one verse I want you to look at. But every word in it is key and has a bearing on our text. Hebrews 13, 9, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. I'm going to turn over there. I didn't turn because I have this in my notes, but I want, to, I want you to look at some of the verses after that, and I want to be there with you when you do. Hebrews 13. First of all, the context makes it very clear here that when he says grace, when he talks about being established with grace, he's talking about the doctrine of grace. You see that? Be not carried about with every wind of doctrine. Of doctrine. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with this doctrine, grace. See what he's talking about? And meats here is an illustration. This is an allegory, meats. He's not talking specifically only about the observance of religion with regard to meats, abstaining from certain meats and this and that as a religious thing. You remember how he taught the Pharisees, oh, it's not what goes in the body that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart. It's your heart that's the problem, not your stomach or your, your eating habits. 
It's the heart that's the problem. Not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. But look, let's read a few verses down and we'll see what he's talking about by meats. We have an altar where, with, wherefore, whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. You see that showing about the eating of meats that have been offered to idols and things like that. They had very strict rules about that. For the bodies, verse 11, of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp for a reason. Because they picture the Savior. Not, it's, it's not a matter of your eating habits and what's right and what's wrong to eat. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. You see what that's a picture of when he mentions meats in, the, in that verse? It's a good thing for the heart to be established with grace. And that doctrine of grace concerns Christ crucified, not outward conformance to the law. Is that clear in that? So that's what he sent Timothy to do, to establish them in, in the grace of God, in the gospel of God's grace by that blood that we just read about. That's life, that's salvation, not the observance of ordinances, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein, just outwardly religious, but not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning that it, that, that pictures Christ and what he did. He suffered without the gate for the sins of his people and sanctified. He didn't just do that as an offer to man. He made somebody holy that way. You see that word sanctified there? So he's talking about the doctrine of grace and meats is just an illustration elaborated upon in these next few verses by which Paul distinguishes works from grace. Christ is the meat wherewith we're fed. That those which serve the earthly ordinances rather than the God-man who is pictured and set forth by those ordinances... They have no right to eat of Christ because they don't come by faith. They come by the deeds of the law. Remember what he said in, I believe, Romans 11, that Israel hath not obtained that which he sought for, which is righteousness with God, because he sought it not by faith. They sought it not by faith, but by the works of the law. They wouldn't dare eat the wrong thing at the wrong time but they won't come to Christ that they might have life. We eat by right of grace. He sets the table of grace and puts a place setting there for his sheep. Not by law. Christ is our food. And it's by grace that we sit at his table and He's our sustenance in our life. That's what Timothy was sent to do, to establish this church in the grace of God, which is Christ and him crucified. Christ who suffered without the gate, who sanctified his people with that precious blood, Hebrews 13, 12, where we read. And to comfort them in that knowledge. He went there to comfort them in that knowledge. The knowledge of that doctrine... Christ and his precious blood 
establishes us and comforts us, grounds us, settles us. All the words that Paul used to describe this in other places roots us in the kingdom of God is our rock and our steadfastness and also causes us to find rest unto our souls. If our comfort and our, our peace depends upon our behavior or our condition before God, even as believers, we're just not going to have any. We're just not going to have any. What did our Lord say would result in us finding rest into our souls? Learn of me. Learn of me. Is that what we're doing? Is that why we're here? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you'll find rest. Soul rest. Be united to me. Hear of me. Be taught. Be established in the doctrine of grace. You know, I'll be I'll be sixty next June. I don't want to think about it really, but the Lord has taught me a little something about another thing. Being tired and needing rest is not just physical. When you get older, you get tired. And that is something much deeper than bodily fatigue. As a believer, I'm talking about you get tired of yourself. Is anybody here tired of yourself? I'm weary with myself. I'm tired of this world. I don't even want to see it anymore. I don't want to know. I don't even want to know. And I hope I'm not self-righteous in that. I just don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to know. I'm tired of the evil. I'm tired of this evil. I'm tired of the evil of this world. When you're physically tired, and you do get physically tired as an older person, but you can rest to some extent and get relief from that. You can do a lot of the same things just for not as not for as long. And it gets it gets harder to, to find rest, even physically. But we can do that. We know what to do when we're exhausted physically, but what do you do when you're weary of yourself? What do you do when you're weary of sin and just about everything else? When you're tired of being a sinner, when the battle that rages in your own heart becomes overwhelming and too heavy for you, what do you do then? You look to the Savior. You learn 
of Him and find rest. You hear from Him and find comfort and strength in Him and His precious promises. Listen to His word on this. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, I'm a wretch. The world is a wretched place and I can't do a thing about it. I've got no might. But he increaseth strength to them. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Don't think that your strength of of youth and vitality will help you. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that look to Him, they that raise up their hands to Him, they that trust Him, they that depend on Him, they shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk, young or old, and not faint. We need him every hour. Praise his name. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And in him, we have strength. Let's pray.